Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Belly Up Fantasy Live, of course, uh, joined by Justin Herrera, uh, Chris Dauhauer. Um, I am your host, Adam LaRue. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Sorry we're a few minutes late. Uh, we're kind of running into some technical difficulties and seemingly still are. Chris uh, voiced, uh, for those of you listening via audio, Chris just voiced to me, uh, or, or mouth to me, rather. Uh, be right back. I don't think he has audio. So we'll get him back here in a few moments. Um, but yeah, so sorry about being a few minutes late. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to get this thing going. Uh, Justin, how were your teams going uh, over the weekend? Uh, anything that really stood out to you, um, you, you really can't wait to talk about before we kind of dive into this thing? Uh, yeah. Rashad Bateman. Thanks for the big game <laughs> on my bench, bud. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I feel about Tyler Lockett this past week, man. <laughs> see, see, for 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 this one, I'm like, I stuck my nose out for this motherfucker. I'm sorry, language. <laughs> stuck my nose out for this guy, and I went to you know, I went to bat for many weeks. And then when I went, ah, oh, you know what? Throw him in the trash. Throw him away. He's bad. He goes, boom. <laughs> so that's just how it works, right? But anyways, I mean, no, I mean, it was a good week for me. I don't know about you, Adam. Um, I had a bunch of teams that made buys or got buys this week. And then, um, you know, the one team I've been, like, really talking about, like the 32 team that I'm, like, super hyped about, um, I ended up clinching the division title for that. So I made playoffs on that one. Uh, that was a close one. But, yeah, overall, it was a really good week. Only one that really hurt was I missed out on playoffs on a tie because uh, the guy that beat, that tied with me, you know, ties like kissing your sister. Like, nobody really wants to do it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he just had more points, so then the league gave him the, the playoff. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Way it. <laughs> I always hate that. All right, so we got to own up to something here. Of course, Daniel. Uh, I don't know why I listen to you guys as far as Metcalf is concerned. Uh, he's useless, which, fair. And I I think we were all on the same page that last week was the make-or-break week for Metcalf. So uh, going forward, Metcalf, I would be done. That would have been my breaking point. And that what last week was also my big breaking point with Dak Prescott. I'm looking at any and every option to replace that man. So I'm with you. Uh, th this is the, the time of year where the, these things need to be done, and that is the point that I would have hit, hit, hit in my breaking point with Metcalf. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Go ahead, Chris. I think I just jumped into the conversation. I, I think our, our longtime listener, Dan, is upset with us about our DK Metcalf <laughs> advice. Um Dan, I mean, this is to me. This is about fantasy football's fundamental one on one. Who are you willing to look in the mirror and be happy that you played versus who you didn't want to play? And I think that DK Metcalf, you know, why he didn't do what you hoped he would do, he didn't blow up. Or it was, I think, your other options was Van Jefferson, who did have a touchdown. You you had three, you know, three targets or five targets and three catches. So it wasn't like he had all kinds of volume. He kind of you know got lucky. DK Metcalf got a touchdown as well in that game. I, for myself, if I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down with my best players. And if I'm looking in my mirror and I said, I chose between DK Metcalf or Van Jefferson, and I watch, you know, play Van Jefferson and DK Metcalf is the one who goes off, who would I be more angry about? 
obviously I'm going to be more angry if I didn't play the guy who I drafted high and then start to be my receiver one. That's who I'm going to put in my lineup. That's just me personally. So I understand your frustration, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with Chris. I mean, you got to, if you got a stud like that that you, you know, picked up with whatever, you're like sixth round pick or something, expecting him to be a wide receiver one, he's kind of failed you. But um, now you know. I mean, you know, we were talking about it, you know, on the Monday or on the Sunday morning show, you know. If it wasn't going to be that game, then you knew for playoffs that you weren't going to play him. So, you know, if you didn't perform against Houston, then maybe it's just time for him to take a permanent sit on your bench. Yeah, I I, I mean, I could see it against the Rams. Maybe if Ramsey comes back and happens to uh, end up in a matchup with Lockett, kind of opening things up for DK, but really that's it. You're just kind of banking on that being how that matchup works out. I'm not – I would be off of him at this point, but I, I think that going into the last week, that's kind of what I would have needed to do was to play Metcalf one more time. Um, but with, uh, with that, here are the alternative options. Metcalf, Parker, or Van Jefferson, and assuming that's Devontae Parker, that would be the direction I would go in without hesitation. I don't think I could do Jefferson, but Parker, at least in the games he's been healthy, has been consistent, and I can take that. Well, here's something for you. Odell just ended up on the COVID list, so Van Jefferson actually looks like a juicy matchup against uh, not-so-great Seattle secondary. I mean, Seattle got burned by the top burner, Brandon Cooks, last week. So, you know, I actually don't mind Jefferson at all this week. Um, I wouldn't blame you if you put Metcalf in, but, you know, if there's any week yeah. – for Jefferson to have like, you know, actual volume, really good overall game with like receptions and targets, mm-hmm. it'd be this one. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, for, first, I was gonna say congratulations for your roster, Dan, because I mean, having that choice between your lottery lineup so loaded, you have to choose between DK Metcalf and Van Jefferson. That's a nice option. Me personally, I think you could play either one of those guys and feel comfortable having in your lineups. I'd probably try to find a way to play both. I love Justin's point about OBJ going on the COVID list. Van Jefferson is one of the last you know, guys standing, so to speak, for the Rams. He's an excellent option to have in your lineup this week. And I think DK Metcalf, like I said, I, for me, I'm going to go out swinging, and I'm going to go out with a guy that I'm encouraged by because I have seen progression over the last few weeks. And I've also seen Russell Wilson not look like a total bum out there. So I think those two factors that give you a chance that DK Metcalf can have the game you're hoping for at some point, at least being in your lineup. So that's, I think, one for each. So I hope that helped. <laughs> um, but I think that goes to show that that, I think, is a, a pretty pretty good coin flip. I think uh, Van Jefferson and Metcalf have a ton of upside, and I think Parker is one where it's uh, essentially more of a, a consistency play. And he's and playing the Jazz never hurts. Yeah, also true. So, you know, <laughs> Take that for what it is. <laughs> Playing the Jets with no run game, too. I mean, think about the, that. The Jets with no anything game. I, the, their receivers are all dead. Their running backs are dead. Like, everyone's gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was more or less talking about Miami reeling three oh, COVID wow. players with, and all three of them were the running backs, Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, and um, Philip Lindsay. Yeah, well, he was Malcolm Brown, which I mean, Malcolm Brown can do damage, but I don't think he's going to take the full workload. So 
you know, you're going to be passing. Well, there's a good chance that Ahmed and Gaston's could be back, though, because they, they, they were on the cover earlier, like as of last week. So Lindsay's the one yeah. tested more recently. So he's the one that's definitely going to be up. Those two still have a chance to actually be out there. Um, gotcha. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that unfolds. Yeah. Yeah, they have interesting right. rules because it's like the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, right? Because it's like I think unvaccinated you have to be out mandatory two weeks, but vaccinated you can be back with two Yeah, negative. well you could you you just have to test negative twice in twenty four hour period of time if you're if you've been vaccinated. So that's basically the guys mm-hmm. who've been their their key thing is just being getting the testing back in time. Now it's still usually a struggle. Typically most of the guys have at least missed a game because it's mm-hmm. it's been too fast to kind of a turnaround to kind of get, you know, the testing back. Um, but there have been an occasion here or there where some players have gotten kind of, you know, back quicker than people were expecting. Yeah, um, people get their first positive or negative rather on like a Wednesday. Right off the bat and then they can, yeah. Yeah, they can get it. They can kind of like uh, last week, I think I forget the player was, but there's something on Saturday mm-hmm. that was able to kind of, you know, yeah. be active by Sunday. Yeah, there have been a couple that have made it. Um, but to your point, uh, it's very hit or miss. <laughs> um so I think we, we've hit some stuff. It's time to go straight into it. Hit some belly ups and belly flops. We've talked about a couple of poor and uh, good performances. Um, so before we get into that, of course, is the overall belly up fantasy player of the week, which is Dalvin Cook. Um, probably a shock to nobody. Lit it up coming <laughs> off an injury that a lot of people, including myself, were concerned about. Uh, coming into Thursday night, of course, Thursday night is almost like a curse in and of itself to not do well. And uh, you know, against all odds, you know, potentially uh, suffering from an injury, you know, uh, playing on Thursday night, playing, you know, against the Steelers, who as of late have not been nearly the defense that many expected them to be coming into the season, but nonetheless uh, a team that has talent on it. Um Against all odds, again, Dalvin Cook drops like 35, and and here we are, belly up fantasy player of the week for him. Um, so with that, again, we can hit our own personal belly ups and belly flops. Uh, Justin, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'm going to go with my guy, George Kittle. Um, absolutely killing it. He has gone from tight end 15 in week 12 to uh, tight end 3. And that's about the span of 52 points in two games, fantasy-wise. Absolutely killing it. Um, scored another touchdown last week. Um, you know, could have made the – oh, he did make one of the best catches of the maybe the season at this point, um, going up for a 19-yard grab, uh, win the closing minute of the game. Unfortunately, Robbie Gold did not convert it. But, um, yeah, I mean, back-to-back over 100-yard weeks – uh, scoring touchdowns. He had uh, 15 targets in this game, 13 receptions. Absolutely a machine. And let's keep this machine rolling, guys. I know you guys got some kid on your lineups too, so let's keep this machine rolling. Man. Especially yeah. with Kelsey being uh, not that great and not on his game. Let's keep it going. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Feed the man. Feed the man. Uh, yeah. Amen, Justin. I mean, I think George Kittle is a guy that all of us have been dying for to get the opportunity and Kyle Shannon remember that how good this guy is and how clutch this guy is a player that, you know, had a season where he had, I think two touchdowns the entire season. I'm shocked his underutilization has been such a pleasure to see the last two games. This guy just basically show you, he might be arguably the best tight end in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah and just to kind of illustrate that, uh, so in fantasy points uh, this past weekend uh, at the tight end position, Kittle was first, obviously. Uh, Mark Andrews was a, a close second. He was respectable. But the gap between Kittle at first and uh, the next guy up at third, who I believe was uh, Dawson Knox, um, yeah, was Dawson Knox. It goes from 21 to 12 in standard or uh, – <laughs> 34 to 19 in PPR. So just to, to get a grasp on the gap between where Kittle's at and then where literally the number three tight end, so another very good play on the week uh, is. I, I, that's just – he's playing at a very, very high level right now. And, again, getting that volume that he's, you know, kind of hasn't been getting as of late – or until uh, recently. Yep. Uh, Chris, want to go next? Yeah, so my belly is going to have to be uh, Jamar Chase. Basically, my argument for why you play players like DK Metcalf in your lineup because Jamar Chase has been struggling over the last few weeks. He hasn't been that receiver one you kind of had got most of the season. Now, we all knew some regression was coming, but we also didn't realize it was going to be that much of a regression for this guy. Um, and I think this past week, he showed you how good of a player he is, having two touchdowns. Couldn't even have more. I mean, he had 78 yards, but this guy was basically dominant out there. And I, I think belly up for Jamar Chase back on, you know, back on track in the sense, looking good out there, and gave you a hell of a game to watch on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, and I, and I just like the rest of the internet, am incredibly angry uh, about how overtime was treated by the fans. I, I, the fact that that passing attack wasn't kind of leaned on for that more was just bonkers to me. Um uh, I, I like this question, and then I'll, I'll go after this, but I, I do kind of want to uh, bring this up. Who do you guys like for D, the Dolphins or Bucks? Um, I haven't thought much about the Bucks. I'm going to have to wait a second on that one, but I do love the Dolphins D this week for uh, a nice, solid pickup and play. Uh, against the Jets, the Dolphins D is finally a part of their turnaround. Of course, it's been Tua playing well and doing the RPO very well. But also it's been the defense is finally getting those turnovers kind of like they were last season rather than um, the, their slow start to the season. So uh, a defense that's, you know, hot and can has the talent to get a lot of turnovers going up against the Jets who have nothing at receiver and nothing at running back. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I second that. I I love the Dolphins against the uh, Jets. It's it just seems like it's a match made in heaven for them. And then you think about Corey Davis is on the IR. Elijah Moore is on the IR. Like, the only hope that the Jets have is that Michael Carter comes back. And at this point, I think dynasty owners are saying, please don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah, I think – I hope Michael Carter comes back because I have him in my standard league. But um, <laughs> I do want. I do think that this is a game that basically the Dolphins are the best matchup you could have on paper this week. Playing a Jets offense, as everybody pointed out, is basically, you know, I struggled the whole season as it is without some of their playmakers. Even if they get Michael Carter back, it's not going to be enough. The Dolphins' defense is probably one of the hottest defenses in the NFL right now. They're blitzing, they're causing turnovers. I go with the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Again, that's just a match made in heaven for them. So I'm, you know, super excited to hopefully uh, be able to pick them up in some of my leagues and, and ride them out this week. Um, but so moving back to the belly ups, um, I'm going to give my first one to Rashad Penny, who got his first real chance 
uh, this season. I say that because I just the Seahawks have been just kind of dividing their carries so much between all of their backs. I joked uh, an episode or two ago that at some point they were just going to have four or five backs and give them five carries each. And it was just because of how frustrating it is to see a couple of these backs actually be relatively efficient with the few carries they get, but not get more because none of them really have any value. None of them can really get in any kind of rhythm. Um, and finally we saw Rashad Penny get a, a real amount. He got 16 carries, which was six more than his previous high on the season of 10. And that 10, I believe there was a pretty big gap between that and the next game as well. Uh, I think it was a lot of six and sevens, then a 10, and then finally the 16. Um, and then, of course, he took that for 130-plus yards. I believe he had a touchdown and had overall a really good game. Um, again, I, I think if they consolidate all of the carries or most of the carries, of course, into one back, uh, whether that's Rashad Penny or Alex Collins or whoever it is, and it seems like Rashad Penny is that guy right now because he's the hot hand, I like that. And I think that's something that you could potentially ride in the playoffs, especially if you, you know, add him now, give him one more week on the bench, see if this is something that's going to continue and then ride it the rest of the way. Yeah, I think this is going to be a big week to test that theory, though, because it doesn't hurt when you play Houston. I think it makes your running DS look really good. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I will say Rashad Penny passed the eye test for me this week, though. Um, I hadn't seen that from him since he's been kind of, you know, injury plagued over the last two years. I'm not a Rashad Penny here. A lot of people are, but I think that he kind of gave, he gave you a glimpse of when he actually is explosive. But the biggest thing I took out of Adam with the 16 carries, he, after he, you know, didn't get touched kind of in the first couple carries, um, he, he ran with confidence. And I think when he runs with confidence, he looks like a different player out there. And that part could be something that he can carry through this season. Rest yeah. of the season, I should say. Yeah. Again, I mean, I think it's going to be very dependent on the volume and the Seattle's willingness to, not only run the ball, but run one back or, you know, at max two and have the second one take the back seat. Um, but if so that... You don't want Adrian Peterson back in the mix this week. Is correct. What Cor- yes, that's maybe exactly that. what I'm saying. Uh, maybe he can go play in Miami. <laughs> or we could there see uh, the, the return of Frank Gore in Miami. <laughs> the AP tour. He just goes around trying to get those last last couple of touchdowns he needs to get was to 100. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, just not Seattle, please. That would be that would be great. Um, but yeah, Rashad Penny, that's going to be my first guy. So Justin, what's next? Yeah, uh, I, I just wanted to add on the Rashad Penny one. I think that's a great um, addition. I think in what you're saying with maybe hold off on one more week because the Rams are kind of looking like a, a for they're a formidable defense right now. I mean, James Conner has been one of the best running backs in the league this year for fantasy and. I mean, on the ground, he really didn't do much. We haven't seen much as far as Rashad Penny through the air. Um, But afterwards, they have the Bears, the Lions, and the Cardinals, which is absolutely juicy going into the fantasy championship. Um, But speaking of those Lions, I want to do a tandem for my belly ups because it just seems fitting that Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon both had two touchdowns. Um, And, you know, I think this is probably the only matchup they could do that because it was the Lions, and the Lions are just piss poor. But, um, you know, kudos to them. They both got over 50 yards. Javante had 73, and uh, I believe Gordon had 111. Uh, Gordon took two touchdowns uh, through rushing, and then Javante had a 10-yard touchdown, which was actually, if you guys saw that play, it was actually really cool because he ended up catching it running, and he took a couple steps backwards, 
caught his balance, turned around, spin moved the guy, and then broke a tackle into the end zone, which I was just like, all right, yeah, I definitely want you as my dynasty number one running back going forward because you're awesome. But um, Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, so I think both these guys can eat in this offense. I mean, like I said, don't expect this because no, not everybody plays the Lions two times a year or, you know, if they did, they'd be so happy, right? Packers, Bears, Vikings. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so. I'm going to the Vikings because they're pretty sad that they lost to the Detroit, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Alexander Madison owners were very sad. <laughs> um, very good point. Yeah, they got two games out of him, <laughs> both against the Lions, and uh, yeah, he tore him up. But um, yeah, so I think it's uh, it's not a matter of who you have anymore, because I think both of them can be efficient, and I think both of them can get you running back two numbers, even when they're competing against each other. Yeah, like and, a Nick Chubb and a Kareem Hunt type of deal. I agree with that 100%. Exactly. We're not Kareem Hunt last week, but. <laughs> <laughs> the Kareem Hunt we all know. <laughs> Um, so my other my other belly up is going to have to go out to welcome back Alvin Kamara. Um, it was great to see him in the backfield last this past week. It's also great to see him against the Jets. But Alvin Kamara showed you why he can be one of those true RB on one weapons. He was the Saints offense. He was involved in the passing game. He was running the ball well. He looked good out there. I think the Saints felt like they have an identity with him and Taysom Hill right now. And Alvin Kamara looks like a guy who can kind of get you back on track as you head to the playoffs. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it. Um, I'm going to, for my next guy, go with – we'll go with Tyler Lockett. Uh, he is someone who I, I kind of mentioned earlier. I forget if this was before the show or at the beginning of the show, but it went off on my bench, absolutely, because um, I have a very deep team in the league that I have him in, and you know I haven't been able to trust him. Uh, the last couple of weeks, just as the Seattle offense has slowed down. And it, Chris, to your point, this is kind of one of those situations where, you know, I wish I had my stud and I probably win that matchup with him. I do win that matchup with him. Um, that being said, I, it, that wasn't, I mean, it was Gallup who did fine. I, I lost mostly because Dak Prescott is playing awful right now. But um, nonetheless, having Lockett in certainly would have helped. And, you know, he had a great game. Yeah, I like Lockett going forward. I think that the connection is definitely there with Russ more than it is with Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I mean, shoot, you know, if even if Jalen Ramsey makes it back in this game, you know, he hasn't, we've been talking about it all year long. He hasn't really been shadowing one receiver. He's really just been there kind of making the plays kind of almost like a roaming free safety, you know? Um, so, you know, regardless of who's on him, I like play this week. Um, you know, I think him and Russ, if they kind of get it cooking again, he could be getting three touchdowns for the next, you know, three weeks. So, or over the next three weeks. So definitely a good play. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things clearly obvious to me is that Shane Waldron's offense that you brought from the Rams definitely has, does a better job of taking advantage of players like a Tyler Lockett, which is more matching up the skill set, you know, Robert Woods is a Cooper Cup type of player than it does with the DK Metcalf, where they're kind of having him play that Josh Reynolds, Brandon Cook's role, kind of being the just the deep threat. And I think that's disappointing, but I think that's something he needs to address if he wants to keep his job moving forward. But I do agree, it gives Tyler Lockett more of a floor moving forward as well this week, this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with that, Justin, we want to move on to some belly flops. Oh, yeah. Let's get them going. Here we go. Bad news bears all the way. Uh, Josh Jacobs, my man. That was an ugly fumble to begin the game, and the rest of your game was not much better. Um, so one thing that I really like that Josh Jacobs is doing, he's getting more catches and more, uh, you know, pass catching opportunities. You know, he had 45 yards through the air, but I mean, come on, this was a Kansas city team that even though they had a really good kind of past couple weeks on defense, this shouldn't have been a blowout game the way it was. And I was kind of surprised that, you know, Jacobs in this run game was, I mean, I understand because they were pretty much, you know, down like what, like 20 plus points before it was even the end of the first quarter. So, um, you know, I was just kind of surprised that the whole like game got shut down for him. You know, he only had nine carries for 24 yards and then he did most of the rest of his work through the air. So, you know, Unfortunately, this one is just not the RB2 we were expecting from Josh Jacobs. Yeah, that's not what he's supposed to do when he finally gets the chance to be that RB1 everybody's been clamoring for to let him be involved in all the downs, let him be his usage. You weren't expecting to get that amount of touches. And what is uh, with, to your point, Justin, what in the world is going on with the Raiders when it comes to the Chiefs? Because there's no way there's not some kind of just big brother, little brother thing going on there where the Chiefs just seem like they just own the Raiders as soon as they step on the field regardless of where the Raiders try to act like they do and stand on you know, the logos and stuff, but it didn't matter. I mean, they got their asses kicked and they've got their asses kicked every time. It doesn't matter who they have and what they're doing. I mean, the Chiefs did basically nothing offensively and let the just Raiders just self-implode and beat themselves most of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really doesn't make sense because you, you take it back one year and both those games last year were shootouts. Like the Raiders were handling their own, even took a game from the Chiefs. So, like, what is the real difference? I mean, is it because Darren Waller wasn't there? Is it because Henry Ruggs isn't there? Like, Henry Ruggs wasn't that involved last year. But, you know. Well, like- right now, right now, Justin, it seems like it's just the Raiders. The Raiders last three or four years. They start off like this, and they end like this. This has pretty much been the MO. For the, uh, yeah. It doesn't matter who the coach, what's going on, who the teams or the players is replacing names, and it's the, it's, it's the uniform that seems to be the issue right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's that. I think it's the Raiders are have it kind of in their heads that they falter at the end of the season. I think it's also it, – it always feels to me like um, 
teams will rally around an interim head coach as soon as the replacement's made, and that falters, and when it does, not a whole lot goes right for the team afterwards. It seems like they really do kind of rally around that coach early on, like the Raiders did, and, you know, they get dealt a couple more blows, and then it's pretty much game over for them the rest of the season until they really have that that coaching situation locked down. Well, I think you also got to call it Derek Carr to that to that point yeah. as well. Is that yeah. I mean, he's kind of like Russell Wilson with the tail, you know, tail of two Russes. It's the same thing with Derek Carr. Like he starts off, he looks wonderful, but it seems like he always, you know, really definitely implodes as the game as the year progresses. Where every off season, it feels like you're answering was Derek Carr the answer on the Raiders, and then you feel like you get that question like, oh, why was it even a question in the off season in the beginning of the season? By the end of the season, the same question pops back up again. So it's it's really interesting to kind of see you know what happens with his future moving on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I guess uh, Justin, yeah, I agree with your, your belly flop 100%. Justin, my belly flop is going to be um, somebody who I, th- I was expecting after the squeaky wheel and all the commentary coming out of Jacksonville that James Robinson is going to go out there. He was going to be the man. He was going to be the you know the Jags offense, and you got I think it was five carries for four yards um, and no involvement in the passing game. Jacksonville's offense is atrocious um, and. Urban Meyer needs to answer for that, but I also think there needs to be some things and serious concerns moving forward for, with Trevor Lawrence that this isn't getting better. Um, so whether they need to bring out different coaching staff or they need to figure out something, that it's getting worse instead of improving. And I know Zach Wilson hasn't necessarily you know, been lights out since he came back from his injury to the Jets, but Zach Wilson looked like there was some improvement. Trevor Lawrence is like he's lost after four interceptions. So I want to have an honorable mention for the belly flops out there. Nobody having pine or fantasy. Hopefully you did it. But James Robinson was a big, you know, person who struggled and because of his, his turnovers and his lack of ability to kind of do anything down the field. And James Robinson was definitely a belly flop for me this week. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't going to be able to trust him. And it wasn't because of James Robinson. It was because I don't trust Urban Meyer at all at this point. Um, the only thing that I feel safe in saying um, that is going to happen on the Jaguars offense next week is that somehow, some way, Laquan Treadwell will get six to eight targets. But I, past that, Adam, I, I started no laughing idea when I was like, there's, there's Adam's 10 to 11 points from the from a receiver from Jacksonville. He was like, he got it. He got his right. He got his quota. Yep. It, it's it's in, like there's only allowed to be one consistent player at a time on this offense. That's all that's allowed. Anything else is either consistently bad or in uh, limbo, uh, which is where I, James Robinson, hopefully he lives there and not consistently bad because we I would like to see him rebound. Um, but that's going to take Urban Meyer not benching him for Carlos Hyde just because he's an Ohio State alumni. So we'll, we'll see how that goes um, because, yeah, I, that's certainly not a performance issue past the one fumble. Um, why, is, why is he still there? Like he's created, he's obviously created a toxic environment to a point where his players don't even want to play for him anymore. Like you go out there and you get molly whopped twenty to zero. Your best players are not performing. You haven't been setting your best players up to perform, and he's just like over here, like, oh yeah, I've, I've never said losers to my coaches in the coaching room. If anybody said that, if that leak ever got leaked out, it was uh, they'd be fired. It's like. Dude, take some accountability for anything you've ever done. Like the the That's shittiness. Urban's way though, Urban never takes accountability. He'll have a heart attack first. 
But fake with sickness. We'll have to go to a, he'll go have migraines, retire from migraines before he ever takes accountability. That's what he does. <laughs> and that, that that shouldn't be the standard of an NFL coach. So oh no, I I, I think at the Shad Khan get get him the fuck out of there, man. Like Shaka, Shaka Khan, I mean, I think Khan. I'm really disappointed. I like what he kind of his vision. I like that he's a little bit more original. He's willing to put money into his product, and not all owners are willing to do that. So that's one thing I think you know he he should get some applause for. Jacksonville hasn't been good, but they haven't been historically bad either. I mean, this team was one of the few teams that expansion made the playoffs pretty early on in their, in their career. Ray Bortles was never a great quarterback, but this team was you know, a game from Super Bowl. So people kind of forget that that the Jacksonville team isn't, you know, under his watch. It hasn't been just terrible. I think the problem, though, is you're pointing out, like, Urban Meyer should have been fired after the whole debacle of flying the, the, the flight home and getting dancing with the girl. I'm not usually a guy who cares about what happens off the field necessarily, but I think that just should have been your 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 smoke sign that you knew that Urban Meyer hasn't changed and you're going to get the same little Urban thing. He's going to screw everything up and blame somebody else. And I think this is all you're going to see. The NFL is much different. You can't just go oh, recruit guys, 19, 20-year-olds, or replace other 19, 20-year-olds. Now you're going to have to pay guys, and you're going to have to be accountable that you hired this coaching staff. Don't act like you didn't bring these guys in. And if you didn't call them losers, you basically insinuated it. And I think that people aren't going to sit there and pretend like you're not what you appear to be and I think that's what the problem is. I think the locker room sees right through him. I just don't understand why Khan, you know, I, I kind of get it. I feel like he's paid his money, so he's going to fight the season, let it go through, and, you know, it is what it is. But I think it's stupid because I think Trevor Lawrence is the guy who's going to suffer, and you might not be able to get him back on track again to be that elite prospect people wanted him to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why you wouldn't just want to get him out. Um, but uh, to your point, maybe it's just because what, what are you going to do, have – Bevel or someone be the interim. I, the, the interim options of the staff that he built aren't exactly the best in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's at least three, four, five, six different times where firing Urban probably would have been the right call, whether it's the the trainer he brought on from Iowa or the, the flight home thing or all this stuff coming out or really just what happened with James Robinson in general. Or, uh, I mean, the the media thing that came out uh, over the weekend with his press conference where he clearly doesn't even know what's happening on his team. Like, there are so many reasons you would want to get rid of him and so many avenues where that would have been the right call, both in the eyes of the public and just in general. And it just hasn't happened. So, I don't it's know. a lot of money to eat, too. Yeah, it is. And I think, Chris, I think to your point, I think he's going to stay on for the rest of the season. And I, I hate that because it's like, you know, this is not a ter- this is not a terrible team. This is not the team that the record reflects right now. I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence still has a future, but I don't think that he has a future under the guidance of a coach that he doesn't respect. You know what I mean? Like, usually players, you have to respect your coach. You have to have know that the coach has got your back and won't, you know, throw you to the wolves when it's convenient for him. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, you know, just like he's done with his, you know, his coaches. And so it's just kind of like one of those things where if you can't take accountability, then you shouldn't be given the responsibility. So, yeah. you know, Urban Meyer, I don't like you. You know, go back to college football commentating because maybe that was the only thing you were decently good at. Yep. <laughs> cosine, cosine. Um, all right, so I'll hit my belly flop really quick, which I've already 
moans about this guy a couple times so far today. Dak Prescott, I mean, this was like the matchup for me where I was like, if, if you can't do something against literally the, the fantasy defense that at the time, I think they were literally ranked 31st, 32nd against the quarterback position, and he put up nine points um, through two picks. Um, I mean, that I want off the ride. I want off the Dak Prescott ride expeditiously as soon as possible. Get me off. I don't like it. Um, yeah, that's really all I have to say. Really, since he had that injury or not, like whatever it was since then, since about halfway point or whatever, he is not looks good. And there were a couple games where he was getting the points, so I just kind of ignored it. He has continued to not look good, and the, the fantasy points have started to become more and more like what he has looked to the eye um, than kind of what it had been. And I'm done with it. You know, it'd be one thing if it was something closer to what's happening with DK, where he looks fine. It's just kind of the, what's happening around him. Dak doesn't look fine. He doesn't. It looks like there's a, a problem, um, both with his decision making, his confidence. I, I, I don't know what it is, but there's a problem here. 100% agree. I, I had this discussion with Dan. We kind of have a little argument because I thought. Maybe Dak was still hurt or something because it just looks like he doesn't want to let it rip. That's basically what it boils down to what I see. I, I just see him not throw with confidence and throw with with just, you know, let it, just let it rip. And I don't know if that's an arm strain thing. Uh, to me, I kind of compared it to what Cam Newton looked like when he came back from the arm surgery where he kind of shot put in a little bit. And I don't think he's, you know, Dak's that bad. But I think his arm's gone. But I also have some questions about to you. what you're saying is I don't know what's going on there, but there's something just not clicking for him where he's not the guy you expect him to be stick with the playmakers he has around him. To me, it almost seems like um, like a car Garoppolo issue where, like, coming off that injury, you just don't look confident. And it was weird because he – starting the season coming off injury, he did, you know, seem relatively confident in that Bucks game and then kind of going forward after that. But really since he got um, hurt this season, it hasn't – you know, I, I don't – he doesn't look like he's playing confidently to me. I just want to clarify for that Bucks game though, too. Though he threw some lollipops out in that Bucks game, he was, his yeah. arm strength wasn't back there yet. He was throwing the spots, and it kind of worked out for him. But mm-hmm. I do think that's there. There's something, um, you know, between those two places where, for me, maybe it's a mechanics thing. Maybe it's a thing. I'm, I'm, I would definitely be concerned when Smith doesn't play the left tackle. They see he seems to be even worse. So there is some concerns. Um, I think with Dak Prescott going in the playoffs, I definitely understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's hit one more of these and then move on to some roster stuff. All right. So my next one is Travis Kelsey. Um, I don't know what what's going on with him. Uh, he looks like a shell of the guy that we've known to be the tight end number one for like the past five years. Um, he just he looks slow off his breaks. He doesn't look like the team is really involving him too much. I mean, he only got four targets on this past game and i mean it was a shellacking i mean i know it was a shellacking of epic proportions for their running backs but at the end of the day you know this is this is the guy on this offense for the past five years we want to talk about tyreek hill but the most consistent go-to weapon for patrick mahomes has been travis kelsey and he just has kind of really looked like a shell of himself this year i don't know if it's age catching up with him i don't know if he's been dinged up a little bit but whatever it is um it reflected in this game he has back-to-back weeks now of three catches for 27 yards and zero zilch touchdowns. So 
You are my belly flop of the week. Does anybody know, is him and Patrick Mahomes still you know, roommates? Because that seemed to be the thing last year, and that, that definitely had a connection last year. But to your point, Justin, Travis Kelsey is not the same guy, and I do think there is some injury concerns there. Um, he's just not looking. He can't beat single coverage right now. He can't beat man-to-man coverage, and that's it's because he can't get out of his breaks like you're talking about. He's also not allowed to get down the field, which is I'm not really understanding what their offense still has you know, materialized into either, where he's, he's basically he's, you know yards per target is almost with five yards within the line of scrimmage, and that, that just makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they're kind of trying to use him like a bruiser, and he's never been that way. You know, they're kind of using him like San Francisco uses every receiver, like to get those like five yards, and then, you know, you go get the other five yards, and we'll get 10, right? But he's, he's not he's not that type of uh, tight end. He's more of a actual like legit fluid route running tight end, and he's never been somebody. To, I mean, I'm not gonna say he's never been somebody to break a tackle before, but he's never been somebody to search for a tackle to break. If that makes sense, he doesn't run towards defenders. He runs away from defenders. So, I mean, oh, well, I think. Th- I'm not, I'm doing my belly flop and to kind of build on your point. I'm going to go with Tyree Kill because I also think there was another guy you expected a lot, much more out of versus the Raiders. And you definitely, if you were in your, your playoffs were sitting there in, in limbo, you expect Tyree Kill to kind of perform for you on paper, and he didn't. And I think a big part of that is, you know, right now it's this Chiefs offense is shorter and shorter. Tyree Kill is going to run ten yard patterns, then Neil Travis Kelsey going to run five yard patterns to be shorter. And it seems to be the issue because Tyree Kill is not allowed to attack down the field. This offense is attacked down the field. I don't, I don't know, um, you know, what they're uh, – I saw Patrick Mahomes kind of get out with Eric Bieniemy recently uh, on this past weekend, uh, early in the game. Um, I, I, I'm, I feel like this offense just kind of doesn't – isn't what it was in a lot of ways. And a big part of that, I do think – I do blame Bieniemy, and I think the play calling just seems to be really struggling with knowing how to kind of attack teams um, and is settled letting teams just kind of dictate what they're going to do, and they're, they're willing to check the ball down. And it's working great because defense is playing so well. But I think this is good. This is playing with fool's gold in a lot of ways. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely agreed. Um, my guy, and I'm going to pick a specific guy, but it really goes to the whole position group as a whole. Uh, is Hilliard and the tit- Titans running backs as a whole. Uh, I kind of just got off my course with the the Seahawks running backs, how they were being treated a little bit ago. And this is kind of how it feels like this is about to go for Tennessee is that all three backs are going to kind of cannibalize each other, essentially. Um, Now, on one hand, it's worth kind of mentioning there that, uh, you know, uh, the guy coming off of injury wasn't really that involved until um, you know, late in the game when it was more or less decided. However, uh, you know, it's still annoying to see none of them really establish themselves. None of them get more than uh, Deonta Foreman got more than 10 touches. Nobody else did. Um, McNichols, again, coming off of injury, um, kind of got a lot more of the third down work. Um, but really, Hilliard still led in routes run. It just wasn't by enough. And with uh, Foreman leading in carries that was still only at 13. You can't, you know, that's hard to sustain and do much with. Um, so yeah, this whole running back room is not something I'm all that high on moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I definitely missed on 
on Hillier just because I was a guy I was big on and I thought he was going to be clearly that clear number two with Foreman kind of pairing up tandem. I don't know why they wouldn't they insist on trying to use McNichols. I know it wasn't until late on the game. I know they were trying to like run out the clock to run that team, but he's still not a guy used to run the clock necessarily. But mm-hmm. I think your your concern is you know valid. I also think this is a game they they could be cute, and therefore you don't want to get to reach much in the backfield either because they could be cute, and they you don't really know if that's what they would do if they had you know, choose two guys, or is that something that they want to, or they rather just kind of you know if they can use a lot of these guys for whatever reasons you know to do so. So that's one thing I have some interest in is this game was never in doubt, um, yeah. and this team never really was kind of pushed at all. So I'm I do wonder who push comes to shove who they depend on. But I think it's hard to kind of guess on the rest of the season now. I definitely think it makes you know, put a wrench in a lot of my playoff aspirations with a, not having an option of a flex guy with a Hilliard. Yeah, to your point, uh, this was a game not to the same extent, but pretty similar to what uh, the Chiefs had with the Raiders. Kind of to your point earlier that the Raiders beat themselves. The Chiefs didn't really have to do that much. Uh, the Titans didn't have to do really anything at all. Yeah. Um, the Jags really kind of won it for them. So uh, to your point, you know, maybe this isn't something we read into too, too much, but it's still not a good look for the running back room of the Titans if this is the case going forward. Yeah, I think I think I would trust Foreman over them just because I know for sure he's going to get the groundwork. Um, he was also, you know, he got injured in that game. So, I mean, I think they kind of – took away the workload because of the fact that it was already in doubt and he had an injury in that game. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really looking into getting Hillard or McNichols right now. Um, I don't know. I just I, – I don't trust that this team that's based this entire offense off of just running the ball straight up and not really passing to the running back is going to change that formula too much. I mean, I know – um, Julio's back, and I think AJ's bound to come back soon, too. Right? It's been three weeks on the IR for him, mm-hmm. so yeah. <clears throat> well, well, I don't disagree that be reluctant on Justin. I just want to point out that it is a different coaching staff. It's Todd Downing now, the coach, and they were throwing Derrick Henry way more than they had ever had thrown their all the running backs. So it's not something out around the possibility for this offense to kind of utilize their backs more in the passing. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Um, so with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to some roster moves, kind of like I said before, um, some waiver suggestions, some drop suggestions, maybe we'll briefly hit on some dynasty trade targets, but certainly if we do that, we'll, we'll run through it pretty quick before we do that. 
we're going to hit um, a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. It's the holiday season, and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. Get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Thank you. I'm thankful for that. That was great. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, we're going to go ahead and hit some waiver suggestions. Um, I've already made my case for this, so I'm just going to throw it out there that Rashad Penny is my first choice. Um, again, if the volume continues kind of the way it did uh, this past week, then that's absolutely a guy you would want on your team kind of for the playoff run. And after this week, the schedule is pretty solid as well. Nice. Um, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to backtrack. Uh, I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman. I know I have in the past week said I'm off Rashad Bateman, but I'm hoping that uh, Baltimore's eyes were open to the potential that this guy has. He's a fluid route runner. Uh, he's still searching for that first touchdown, even though I think he got it in that last game. But who am I to say I'm not a ref? Um but yeah, so I think that he's got a ton of potential. And if you're really looking for a good flex, you know, there's one guy right there that could fill in and get you some good, you know, 10 to 15 points as a as a ceiling and, you know, as a floor, maybe about like five to seven. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Dearness Johnson. This is a guy that maybe you not necessarily want to play this week, but a guy that may be some security moving on throughout the playoffs. You know, Nick Chubb's a play, you know, an injury away from this guy being your number one starter. Kareem Hunt's been in the nine lineup. He got injured again last week. Looks like he's going to probably be out definitely this week. I wouldn't necessarily bank on Kareem Hunt coming back anytime soon. I think he looks like he's going to need a couple weeks, and they don't want to re-injure him and probably prepare for the playoffs if they do make it. So I think this is an option for you to kind of look at Darius Johnson to kind of be still out there and be able to drop them when Kareem Hunt came back last week. Go ahead and try to add it back to your roster for the playoffs stretch. Yeah. I like it. I like it. That's a good one. Um, my second guy is uh, in PPR, and I really hate to say this. It's going to kind of pain me to come out of my mouth a little bit. <clears throat> Braxton Berrios uh, might be worth tagging in some PPR leagues, especially. Uh, especially in PPR, just sheer volume when he's been on the field has been um, – I don't even know what the word would be – laughable – throws remarkable i i don't know but he has gotten a ton of volume whenever he sees the field um whenever he's is a starting receiver for the jets 
So I guess you should probably try to capitalize on that for fantasy, even as much as I hate doing it. Especially um, in PPR, but again, volume. Yeah, he's one of the poster child for why I hate PPR. But go ahead, sorry, sorry, Justin. <laughs> it's, it's all good. Uh, just hearing Braxton Berrios makes me want to puke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a U fan, okay, and I want to puke for hearing Braxton Berrios' names. This is not a guy who deserves to be. Or this is a guy that should be the end of your receiving. It's the holiday the season, NFL. and you don't know. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I just love how Dan puts the like uh, holiday jingle in on that too. It's, it's the holiday season. I mean, he really should be, you know, like you said, the, the spokesman for Manscaped. He really does put those together. Um, yeah. <laughs> my second one's going to be Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, this is a guy who I don't know if he is on your waiver wire um, after last week's explosion game, but he should be uh, picked up immediately because he's looking really good. Um, this Detroit offense is looking kind of like it needs somebody. Um, there are rumors that DeAndre Swift comes back this week. I wouldn't bring him back, but, you know, like I said, I'm not anything but, you know, a fantasy analyst. So, um, you know, if I'm, Detroit, I keep on using this rookie and see what I got with him. Um, you know, when you're getting 20 and 15 and fantasy points and you're a guy on the waiver wire, why not plug him into a flex and use those 15 points for your scoring, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can't, can't argue that at all. Um, I think for myself, I think the waiver wires are kind of, you know, Pretty barren after that. I think what you're looking for right now is, and I talked about this over the last couple of weeks, is trying to load up for the playoffs. With all the COVID things that are going on, with all the situations injury-wise, as we get closer to a longer season than we've ever experienced, I think it's vital to start adding guys that you can get your hands on that are um, backup running backs that have clear, obvious uh, situations. So a player like will be Peyton Barber for me. I think we talked about Jacobs having an opportunity with you know with Drake out for the rest of the season. Peyton Barber is a, a, you know, an injury away from a guy who's been injury prone over the last few years is Josh Jacobs getting a chance to kind of be that RB1 for that Raiders offense. While Jacobs didn't necessarily produce, it's a nice option to have as you continue to the playoffs and you kind of see different areas kind of experience the COVID things going on right now. So I do think it's important for you to have a lot and try to add some backups and um, to the running back situation, particularly for some of these guys where, you know, you, you feel like you're doing really well, but you saw like last week where Henderson was due to come back. So then Michelle is going to be out, and then all of a sudden, say Michelle is going to be the guy who's going to be number one again because Henderson got had COVID. So I think that's something to kind of keep in mind. We're seeing the situation kind of play out in Miami. Um, and the other guy that's going to kind of encourage Lamar Jackson fans, or owners, I should say, not fans necessarily, um, don't be afraid to tra- target Huntley if he does not play. I think well, you're not going to be finding too much on the waiver of buyers. It's going to be much of an upgrade over this guy. He has good legs. He's going to scramble around. He's going to make some plays versus Green Bay team. So it would be the end of the world if Lamar Jackson doesn't play for you. Lamar Jr.? <laughs> I mean, a lot of ways he looks like him. I like what he has. I like what he brings to the table. And I think it's one of the smarter things that teams have done. A lot of teams have backups that are completely unlike their starter, which I never understood. But the mm-hmm. Ravens were intelligent and actually have a guy who fits their system really well. And we saw RG3 even play well for a spurt there. Um, eventually kind of fell off really quickly. But he had a little spurt where he was doing if you can kind of run that offense, you can be somewhat effective. And we've seen this year people like Jalen Hurts having you know great blowers in fantasy, particularly with using your legs. So I think as we see this guy and Taysom Hill kind of you know un- unleash 
the legs, and we haven't got the Hall of quarterbacks who are being great playmakers this year. So it's kind of refreshing to have maybe an option like that available to you. Especially if you lost Lamar Jackson, you're like panicking. Yeah, hey, that would be would be great. <laughs> a great guy to have on uh, on your team. Um, so who are some guys that you you would be interested in dropping um, to make room for some of these guys? Uh, I'll go ahead and say, and this was kind of on my short list for uh, belly flops. Uh, just didn't make it due to some of the other guys that we were talking about. Um, but for some of these guys, I would be willing to take the risk on, say, a Rashad Penny's upside over what Chuba Hubbard is offering. Um, if he doesn't have the receiving role, then I'm not interested, to be honest with you. Um, especially, you know, all three quarterbacks seem to have some kind of chance at playing at any given week, and I'm not really interested in that. This offense is in shambles. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm out of it unless unless he had the full workload like he had earlier in the season. Um, I'm done. Yeah, I'd probably go Jeff Wilson, um, even if mm-hmm. – it's an ideal start this week. I mean, Shanahan seems to be rolling with the idea of Debo being a running back, which is it's perfectly fine. I mean, it works for them. Um, he obviously gets more carries and more yards on the ground than he does as a receiver for this team so far. So, you know, especially with or, um, <clears throat> Elijah Mitchell possibly coming back this week, I think you can effectively just retire Jeff Wilson to the waiver wire. Yeah, for me, I think I'm looking at some of my bottom tier receivers that haven't produced over the last few weeks. There aren't going to be necessarily guys that you see a lot of upside on you know on paper in a sense. So like the Cortland Suttons, the Kenny Galladay's, those kinds of players where you just you know you, you know that this is kind of the season where you can't bank on them, and unfortunately they're not going to get the production you ever hoped for. And maybe you have a game here that might be a spurt, but you can't really trust another opponent in the lineup. So I'm looking at some of the receivers guys who are underperforming that. While there's other options that are kind of materializing, like St. Brown and Justin kind of pointed out, that maybe you're looking at some other guys that you can kind of cut the bait on where you just can't keep hoping it's going to be a brighter day. And get rid of Antonio Brown and Calvin Ridley if they're sitting on your bench too. Yeah. Yeah, they're not coming back for sure. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So I want to, and if you guys have any, any names that you want to throw out, I want to run through a couple real quick. Uh, trade suggestions for dynasties if you are still doing some trading. I'm just going to throw some names out there with some brief uh, stuff with it. Uh, Allen Robinson, of course, I, I think it's just a nice buy low. Most of these are just some buy lows kind of going to the offseason, especially for rebuilding teams. Um, but Allen Robinson absolutely has the chance to return to glory, uh, depending on where he lands and if he has a good offseason working out with whatever team. Um, OJ Howard is one that you can get for nearly free if he's not even on dynasty waivers. Um Mariota, uh, Gardner, Minshew are both two uh, high-end backup quarterbacks that could reasonably um, see starting time. I, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that either of these guys are worse than uh, Heineke or some of the other quarterbacks starting right now anyways. Um, so, I, you know, if you can get them for nearly free, then I, I don't hate uh, adding them to your roster at this point, especially if it's, you know, um, you're late in the season and you know, you're not making the playoffs. Uh, so I just want to throw the, those names out there for you guys. If you guys have anyone to add, I I didn't hear Sam Darnold on that list. Adam was he is he 
did you forget about him or no? I would also take uh, those two quarterbacks over Sam Darnold any day of the week. <laughs> PJ Walker over Sam Darnold. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt Rule. I heard Matt Rule's going to play all three of the quarterbacks when they are all active. I, what's my understanding? He's going to play Walker, Sam Darnold, and Cam Newton. Well, yeah, so uh, it, it makes perfect sense, really. So Cam Newton's the red zone quarterback. Uh, Sam Darnold's the third down quarterback. And then P.J. Walker's the early down quarterback. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the U.K. for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Um, they're going to split it up. And like they're, the they're all the turnover guys. Yes. All of them in third interceptions. Exactly. Exactly. Be the first game with six interceptions from three different quarterbacks. Two each. <laughs> I got to say, I, I was a big Matt Rule fan, but he's he's really starting to test kind of my 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 trust in him. Where mm-hmm. I love what they were doing last year, what they were kind of putting together between the Brady firing and kind of what he's doing with the quarterback position. I think he might be looking a little look like he's leak a little bit. To be honest. Yeah, uh, I don't think I've ever seen a team kind of implode as quick as I've seen them do it because uh, they, they really did, like you said, they looked like a, a up-and-coming team last year. Uh, and it just looks completely unorganized, and I have no idea what's going on right now. And I don't know if that's pressure from ownership or if that's rule or if it's both or what, but it doesn't look pretty at all. Yeah, well. I mean, that's what happens when you don't prioritize going and getting Justin Fields. Um, I mean, shit. You know, when you said Sam Darnold is better than Justin Fields, you kind of just wrote your own <laughs> ticket out of town. Um, but, yeah, as far as a trade person for Dynasty, um, just to get us back on track, I guess I would go with James Robinson because I think he's still got something left in the tank, and I think – whoever takes over this team is going to use him because there's, there's no way you can, right. You can't leave a thousand yard back on your bench um, unless you're urban Meyer. Um, But yeah, so I, I would say go out and try and get him for pennies on the dollar and see if you can, you know, see if you can throw a third round pick somebody's way and say, Hey, I'll take the, the James Robinson grenade, you know, and then, you know, hopefully it pans out for you because, in the third round, when you think about it, who else are you getting? You know, are you getting somebody's to be next year or two years down the line tight end or something? Like, you know, if you can for sure know that you're getting somebody who is a startable running back, whether it's in Jacksonville or he gets traded somewhere else, then I think you might as well just shoot your shot. I like it. I like it. Uh, well, Chris, if you don't have anything, then we can go on to some big game previews. 
Go on. All right, we're moving on. Uh, and we're going to start out with Kansas City at the Chargers um, in L.A. How do we feel about trusting the passing attack for the, the Chiefs? I personally was not all that impressed with the Raiders game. That felt, again, it felt a lot more like the Raiders beating themselves than it did the Chiefs beating the Raiders. Um I don't feel like I saw anything new that has changed my opinion on this Chiefs offense is still broken. Yeah, and I think that's the fear. I mean, of the six of the last seven weeks, we've been seeing the same show since the last Raiders game. And I think we didn't get to really see what we saw that, you know, that first time around, you know, Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdown passes. This this offense looked rejuvenated. And since this is basically playing conservative football and playing not to lose the game, and it seems to be the MO right now. And it is scary. And as you go to the playoffs, I know myself, I'm a Patrick Mahomes owner, and he's basically the guy I was, you know, I don't have a backup option really on my roster right now because I haven't been able to find somebody. You, you Patrick Mahomes, what are you going to, you know, well, well, why wouldn't you play him? But this is a scary week, particularly against the Chargers defense. It's been pretty good against the pass in general, for, you know, statistically. One thing I have going for us, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes owners, or if you have a Travis Kelsey or a Tyree Kill, is the Chargers almost are guaranteed to get 27 points when they play in L.A. So that's one thing you have going for you. It should be a higher scoring game. So somehow, somewhere, there should be some points scored. Hopefully, it is the, from the passing game guys. Yeah, but I'm with you, Adam. I don't. I didn't see anything that made me excited about playing these guys. But do you guys think we could not play? We cannot play them. I think you have to play Hill because he's at least been playable even during Mahomes' uh, faltering stretch. I mean, this week wasn't good, but past that, especially just given volume, he's been playable. Obviously not getting in the end zone because Mahomes hasn't really gotten in the end zone prior to this week. Um, but, yeah, he, to me, is still playable. Um, and I think in mo- more often than not, you're going to be forced into playing your Mahomes and Kelsey, but I really don't want to if I can find some kind of way to really avoid it. But kind of to your point earlier, I mean, you can't have them return to form on the your, your bench. Uh, I mean – you know, may, maybe that game wasn't good, but maybe it provided the spark of confidence they need to kind of turn things around. Um, but, man, on the flip side of that, that was by far, and I, like, it's literally not close. That was their easiest matchup to the rest of the season. Like, it's only downhill from the Raiders game as far as matchups mm-hmm. go. They played Pittsburgh. It's not, it's not really a far downhill. Oh, okay, yeah, that one. But certainly, <laughs> certainly the Chargers and Cincinnati are going to be much tougher. And then Week 18, which I don't know how much that matters for fantasy, but Denver, all of those are going to be tougher against them than um, than the Raiders were. Yeah, you do have a point. Yeah. How about, how about you, Justin? Are you playing Travis Kowski? I mean, Chargers are one of the worst teams versus tight end position overall this year. You can't not play Travis Kelsey. I mean, who else do you have, right? I mean, if you think about it, if you spent high up on, you know, some people spent a first-round pick on Travis Kelsey, you know, if you spent all that on him, like, who are you going to play in there? Are you going to play Dalton Schultz? Are you going to play, you know, uh What if you picked Tyler up a Gronk Martin? early in the season? What's that? What if you picked up a Gronk early in the season? If you picked up a Gronk early in the season, then here's my question to you. Do you still flex Kelsey? Because obviously, if you pick up a Gronk, I'm going to put Gronk in every time. I'm going to put him in my tight end every single time. If it's Gronk and Kelsey right now, I'm going to put Gronk in because I know that Gronk's going to get seven catches, 70 yards, easy. And he might add two touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
I mean, it becomes then I still have the question of do I flex Kelsey? And do I, and like you said, do I worry about am I going to leave 20 points on the bench? You know, because he's done it before, he's made a whole career of doing it. So, I mean, you got to play him. I mean, you got to play all your studs. I mean, if you pick somebody within the first three rounds and they're a notable stud, you got to play them. It's un- it's unfortunate, but that's just how the logic of fantasy football usually works. You, you kind of kind of just roll with it, and uh, yeah, hope that he gets back on track somewhere. I'm really interested to see if Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who who emerges from this one, Alaire Williams. I mean, Gore looked good. Um, obviously, this is the matchup for it. I mean, the run game against San Diego, or I just call him San Diego. Uh, LA has been absolutely terrible. I mean, they've been a funnel, man. Like, even Saquon Barkley got back on track a little bit last week. So, yeah. How are you guys feeling on those guys? Can you trust any of them? I think you're definitely playing Howard Solaire if you're, I mean, I, I have him on two of my teams and I'm definitely playing him. And I think you can definitely consider playing Williams as a flex option if you don't really have a great lot of great options available to you. You, you seem involved in the passing game. I do think this is how you, the Chiefs seem to be attacking out of the backfield, not which is good. I just see them throwing out of the backfield. It's just like I like to see them actually throw the ball down the field and to their backfield. Just, we just get like a happy medium at some point. But um, no, I do think the running backs both can be – and Gore, I think you're going to – you can read too much into that. I think that was basically he got a chance towards the end of the game when the Raiders were already getting on the bus and go home. Yep. Agreed. I have nothing to add with that. Uh, how do we feel about uh, Mike Williams with Keenan Allen back? Yeah, I mean, Mike Williams is one of those guys been people have been down on since the beginning of the season and want to throw him out of their lineups or get rid of Mike Williams. Um, but I, I think there's a guy that he kind of shows he's still important to this offense. And I, I know the Chiefs defense is playing really well, and they've been lights out. This isn't the same Raiders receiving core you just watched. And I think you should look at the paper and look at some of the matchups and don't always listen to the numbers. Because sometimes when teams actually play, you see this Buffalo, for example, when they actually play good teams, it's a whole different story. And I think this is one of the situations where – I think the Chiefs defense isn't suddenly the you know the 85 Bears out there, and I think that you can play Mike Williams as well pretty pretty confidently. Yeah, I agree. I mean, his usage even before Keenan was out uh, was starting to look up again, so I'm not really concerned about it too much, but worth throwing out there. You have anything to add, Justin? Yeah, here's a question for you guys. Um, you know, with all the COVID stuff going down, you know, people are searching the waiver wire, trying to find high upside guys. How do you guys feel about Jalen Guyton? I mean, it's the second straight week. He's caught a deep ball. Um, obviously, Herbert's been using him, utilizing him on the deep end. And, you know, he's not really a short receiver as far as, like, running routes and stuff. He's he's really just thrown out there and, and long-haul plays. Um, I think it depends on who's – Yeah, I say, Justin, I think it depends on who gets um, – who kind of make you being replaced. So, for example, last week we saw Keenan Allen be out. And we saw, you know, Guyton had a decent – he had that big play. But Palmer mm-hmm. was the guy who kind of benefited the most because Palmer's played in the slot. Guyton never plays in the slot. So, to me, that's kind of the key is depending on where this guy's going to have a chance to play. If it's Mike Williams is out, I think Guyton could be a speculative ad. But if it's going to be Keenan Allen who's going to be possibly out, then I would look at somebody like Jesse Palmer or look at Palmer over him because he's actually being utilized in the slot this year and was very productive this past week in the slot. I like that. I like that. All right, let's go to a game that will likely have uh, – well, logically should have about half the scoring. In reality, it will probably be about the same. Um, 
New England at Indianapolis. I have already smashed the under as much as possible. Um, <laughs> if that uh, foreshadows my fantasy forecast a little bit. Um, how are you feeling about this? Like, who is really playable? I mean, I would say, I mean, for me, it's like Taylor, Harris, Pittman. I, yeah, outside of a super flex where you're maybe putting in one of the quarterbacks, I don't, I really don't know who else you would want to play here of the defenses. <laughs> I think you play Wentz in this game. I think, you know, He's proven that he has a very solid connection with Pittman. And, you know, it doesn't seem like – they seem like they've been kind of matchup-proof um, this year. I mean, Pittman's had some of his best days against some of the better corners in the league. So, I mean, I think that you could definitely play Wentz as a super flex QB2 type player. Um, I would say he's a borderline QB1, but I wouldn't play him if I had somebody like, you know, a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. as far as Harris goes, I'm a little worried because I actually like Indy's like run defense. Um, I think this could be a situation of like a Joe Mixon thing where we kind of like got a little bit hyped over it. And then Joe Mixon kind of unperformed because he played a good run defense. Um, that being said, it could be a Brandon Bolden type of day. And maybe Ramondre Stevenson gets back to catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, it's kind of like one of those things where you just really can't predict how the Patriots are going to attack the run game outside of Damian Harris, right? Because we've seen a couple games where Ramondre Stevenson catches five balls, and then we see other games where Brandon Bolton's the primary pass catcher. So um, how are you guys feeling about the – looks like a, a resurgence of Jonu Smith with the decline of Hunter Henry. You know, they kind of like have been canceling each other out as far as like, you know, who's doing well, who's not. You know, one surging, the other one's plummeting, and now it looks like uh, John who's on the upswing. Yeah, definitely. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Um, real quick, is this game in, in New England or is it in Indianapolis? Indy. So everything screams it should be a defensive game and a low-scoring game, except for it being an Indy to me. And I feel like this is going to be one of those games that you're going to see more scoring than maybe you expect. Um, these teams match up pretty interestingly well, different, uh, pretty interestingly with each other. And I mean by that, kind of just up with the running game, kind of new Smith and Henry. I think this is going to be a game where you actually might be able to you know, consider playing Matt Jones, and you're going to see the Patriots actually more passing a team, I think, this week, and be able to maybe even utilize both those tight ends, if not just you know one of those tight ends, because you can attack 
this different this, this secondary and his linebackers on the Colts. Weasel Leonard's not kind of as healthy as he has been in the past or as explosive. And I think one of the things you're going to see the Colts really be held bent on is trying to stop the run, which I think I wouldn't be surprised to see the Patriots try to take advantage of. And you're going to see some of these throws to the running receivers and to the tight ends and kind of be a little bit more aggressive. You know, anything you're not worried about playing in the snow. Everybody's going to make a big deal about the Patriots running the ball all the time. And it's what the Patriots usually do. They will you slip with one thing and they hit you with another thing when you're not paying attention. And on the Colts side, as Justin kind of pointed out with Carson Wentz, I think Carson Wentz has got a nice, you know, matchup on paper. This Patriots defense is very good, yes. They've also played a lot of bad defenses, or bad offenses, I should say, lately. Buffalo was playing, you know, ridiculous weather as well. So you put all those factors together for a Colts team that when they want to score, they can. And they want to, if they want to be attack you from all angles of the field, they can. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball deep. They can throw it short. They have different options they can attack you with. And I think this is going to be an interesting game where I, I think the Patriots are going to try to take away Taylor, but I don't think they're really going to be able to do so. And it, it's going to be up to the Colts to kind of dictate whether or not they're going to try to keep it a low-scoring team or they're going to be aggressive. And I wouldn't be surprised to see both teams kind of push the ball down the field. Yeah, and I mean, this is really uh, an early playoff game uh, when it really comes down to it. Uh, it's going to be kind of tough for Indy to make it uh, without a win here. Um, certainly can't happen, but um, it's going to be tough without a win. And uh, it's going to be pretty important for the Patriots seeding-wise. So, I, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot on the line for this game, and that always uh, tends to bring out the best in teams. Yep. Um, with that, let's talk about an even uglier game. Uh, in, also in the AFC South, Houston at Jacksonville. Um, this is one of the few times Ooh, where... This is one for of, this one. Yeah, this is one of the few times where it's kind of interesting because you might want to play some guys from either of these teams because they're playing the other team. They've both got really good matchups because both teams are really bad. Um, you know, I, I've think we've all been kind of off James Robinson as of late, but are we back on him just because of this matchup? Uh, same with Brandon Cooks. Uh, is this a game where we maybe considered throwing in a Davis Mills just because he's playing the Jacksonville secondary? These are the things to consider that you hate. It's it's like me talking about Braxton Berrios earlier. All of the things that just came out of my mouth outside of uh, uh, Cooks and Robinson sounded really gross. But you have to consider some of these guys like, again, a Davis Mills uh, just because we're talking about Jacksonville here. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I threw, I know we usually talk about the big team, the big high-scoring matchups we expect to happen. I threw this one in there to kind of just, just you know, to kind of make that point, Adam. I think this is a, you're at the point right now, especially as the season's kind of progressed, you got to look over every tea leaf, every underneath, everything there is and try to see if there's any value out there to kind of expose and find because it's really hard right now. And I think this game is a really scary game overall. You look at two teams are just both awful. I don't know who you could trust. I'm trying to figure out Adam's, you know, 10, 11 point guy from the Jacksonville offense this week. Who will it be? You know, I want to put like an MO out there. Like who will, who will Jacksonville's missing man 11 pointer be? Um, but, you know, and right now that might be something more than you're getting some of the other options you have. So it is something this game's early game. I think it was going to be interesting to kind of dissect. I, for me personally, the only thing I can kind of look at the I like Robinson. Um, I can't fathom anything in the passing game for Jacksonville because Trevor Lawrence is playing so poorly right now, and the offense doesn't do anything. Maybe Chenault just because in PPR leagues, because you're going to get five catches. I mean, that's 
I don't know what else you're going to get other than that, but you might get four or five catches. Um, and on the Houston side, I you know I, I make no bones about it. I'm not a Davis Mills fan, and I think that mm-hmm. the yards last week were definitely inflated. But in fantasy, you don't care. Having said that, I look at this game where I don't expect Davis Mills to have back-to-back 300-yard games, and I'll be very shocked if that actually materializes some kind of ways. So I would not want to play him because I think the odds are, no matter how bad the defenses are, he's still not going to do that again. <laughs> I just see a smile, Justin. Guys, flip a coin. Heads or tails? Laquan Treadwell is heads and Marvin Jones is tails. Let's see what it is. Uh, how about Oshowski? is the guy I think you might be able to consider depending on where you're at tight end right now. Yeah. Oh, it's heads. <laughs> Sign him up. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't care what hap- what happens. I'm riding with Treadwell regardless. <laughs> well, Treadwell is heads. <laughs> yep. Like I said, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I will say if David Johnson and Rex Burkhead are out, it'll be interesting to see if Royce Freeman could be a guy that you can consider. Because I'm going to be honest, I'm not a Royce Freeman fan necessarily, but he's way more talented than both those guys. Despite Houston's offensive line not being good, the ball might just be enough for him to actually do something. I like the other guys, David Johnson and Rex Burkhead. Yep. Retire, please. <laughs> Rex Burkhead didn't look too bad before he got hurt. I mean, sure, those three three yard runs were impressive. Like, I'll have to give you that, right? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for what he was, I guess, for what they have to deal Relative with. Relative to Texans running backs. <laughs> yeah. Three yards for a Texans running back is like five yards for anybody else. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Davis Mills and Brandon Cook's the only people I'm trusting. And I don't even trust Davis Mills to go get him off the waiver wires. But if you do, I would say it's probably a good play. I mean, he got 300 yards last week against Seattle. So I think you could easily get 300 yards this week against Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah I mean, having, having posed that question, I'm only playing two guys. I'm only going to play Robinson and um, myself or Cook to myself. I, I don't like the guy that you mentioned, uh, Chris. Uh, O'Shaughnessy playing him at tight end. There's worse things. As much as I'm not a fan of him, three to four catches for yeah. I mean, and it's Houston. That's one thing for me. This whole year, I've been beating the drum. When you play Houston, you're tight most guaranteed to get a touchdown. Yep, I hate it, but it's true. It does remain true. Can you imagine how shitty your tight ends have to be for your options to be O'Shaughnessy? Like, sorry, bud. Sorry. Maybe you're maybe you're a Darren Waller owner, and that's now you have no Darren Waller, and you're sitting there like, uh, this is what I have on waivers. Great, because yep. I'm sure that I mean, there's not a whole lot of guys tight end owning leagues that you're going to have a lot of options right now. Yeah. All right, so moving on to Sunday night, is Taysom Hill a top five quarterback option this week against Tampa? Of course, uh, his strength really is running the ball. I don't trust him to pass. Uh, Tampa's strength is run defense. Um, but they have, have kind of been allowing a little bit more to those quarterbacks and to, you know, passes to running backs and things of that nature. So is that, you know, a little bit difference? Can, uh, you know, can Taysom Hill kind of break the rules of don't start runners against Tampa because of the position he plays and because, uh, you know, he can get the ball out to Kamara and things of that nature? Well, Josh Allen, they run for a buck nine versus them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can – a quarterback can. Uh, a running back certainly can. 
So, but yeah, I, I think, I guess to answer my own question, I would be in on Taysom this week. How did he finish last week? I mean, four interceptions, two touchdowns, but he got that long touchdown at the end. I wonder if he probably finished top five last week too and had an absolutely terrible like NFL week. So Maybe this past week he was the number four quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. And the week before that he was uh, the number four quarterback again. Yep. I mean, yeah, I think he can be a top five quarterback. I mean, yeah, if he, 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 that he doesn't have to play well. He just, <laughs> just those <laughs> legs, those, those, those legs can save you. And that's, I mean, the question I think is an interesting one. You look at Taysom Hill, and maybe you just picked him up a week or two ago, but you might have stumbled into something, one of the more consistent quarterbacks to have going into the playoff stretch right now, as, you know, Adam and I bemoan about Dak Prescott's and you know, the Patrick Mahomes of the world. Yep. Yep. Really wish that I had Taysom Hill about now. Um. So how do we feel about Brady and Evans? They've kind of struggled against New Orleans the past two seasons, but of course they're like top tier guys. So I mean, you can't really bench them, but so do you temper expectations? Uh, if you are deep, can you bench them? I mean, I imagine the answer is no, but you know, what, how, how do you treat those kinds of guys where you, you know, have low expectations for them, but they are your studs. I mean, I think you temper expectations, but also, I've kind of tempered expectations on this um, New Orleans secondary. They tend to have not been who they have been in the past. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore is is not the big game lockdown corner he's been in the past. Um, so as much as the history says Mike Evans just does terrible against these guys, I'm still playing him. Um, Brady, I have no, no doubt that I'm playing him, unless I'm in my other league where I have Stafford. So. Stafford and Brady, that was that's a nice uh, fallback. But um, yeah, other than that, I mean, as long as I if I have Hill on the bench, I don't know, maybe maybe that's the way to go now, uh, go with Hill. But yeah, otherwise, I mean, Brady's pretty locked in with a pretty solid floor. So um, yeah, I don't I don't see too many options that are better than him, even in a, a less than optimal match. Yeah, I don't understand this mastery that New Orleans has over Tampa Bay. I, I'm not really not really getting it totally. But I do think that you still play Tom Brady for sure. He's at home. He's been way more effective at home. Um, I think that you've seen him, you know, have a decent floor where he's been at home and they're gonna throw the ball pretty decent a decent amount. Like Mike Evans is the one's kind of a harder one. As Mike Evans owner in one of my leagues, I've been dreading this week. They realized it was week one in the playoffs, and I was like like Evans week one in playoffs versus New Orleans. It's like the guaranteed one to two catch, you know, 20 yard dud. Um, I think you just have to play him, Justin, because I'm with you. I think that you're still hoping, and you're also kind of happy Antonio Brown's not back maybe, that maybe this gives him a chance to kind of shine. But what I'm concerned about is not so much Lattimore being a lockdown guy. It's more so that Brady seems not to want to throw the ball to the guy that might be a decent corner and likes to pick on the other guys where you see it becomes, you know, Godwin all day, or you see Gronk all day, or you see Fournette getting the ball in the backfield. So to me, that's where my concern for Mike Evans is. I still want to play him because it's Mike Evans, but I also think this is why I try to push people, you know, the DK Metcalfs of the world, stuff like that. Mike Evans is not the most consistent receiver out there you can have in your lineup week in, week out. And even though he's got outstanding upside, 
there's been plenty of duds you had to deal with this season, and it's one of the things that you can be concerned about week one. Um, but I don't think you can bench unless you have like some wonderful, you know, guy on your bench option. Yeah. Uh, to your point, though, I mean, I think the consistency is up just because the that third receiver spot has been so inconsistent. Um, with, I mean, Tyler Johnson, Brashad Perryman are almost splitting that role. Uh, it, it certainly helps that, I mean, really the only consistent pieces out there, and I hate that I'm using that word so much, but <laughs> uh, it's really just Evans, uh, Gronk, and Godwin that are out mm-hmm. there on a down-to-down basis, and Fournette um, past that, and nobody else really has time to build a rhythm or a rapport with Brady. So I, I think that does help a little bit, kind of to your point with, you know, um, with uh, Antonio Brown not being back and no, nobody really having kind of stepped up into his role. Yeah, and, um, I was just looking it up. Brady actually had a top four performance last time he played the Saints and, and Godwin was the main recipient of that. So um, just to your point, Chris, he does obviously pick on the receiver that's not getting the number one attention. Um, yeah, and I, I think that Gronk obviously has been the main recipient of Brown being gone because mm-hmm. he's kind of carved out whatever Brown's role was and more in this offense. So I'd start probably Godwin, Gronk, and Brady in this one, but it's hard bench Evans. Yeah. All right, we're going to hit one more game, which is Minnesota at Chicago. Uh, Chicago. Uh, how does Chicago probably, keep in all these prime time games? By the way, because this is just annoying. Like, how does a lot of games on every Sunday and Monday night? A lot of Sorry. Bears fans make some money. Not the best matchup, but there's a lot of Bears fans. You can clamor for more Matt Nagy. We need more Matt Nagy on TV. Yeah, but when when they're when they're building the schedule in whatever month in like March or April or whatever. They don't know what teams are going to be good or bad, but they do know that people will watch Bears games because a lot of people like the Bears for whatever reason. I don't know how you could continue to do that after they let Nagy go on for so long, but they do nonetheless. Um, with that, though, who do you feel more comfortable with of that kind of, you know, we've kind of been on this all season long, but of the Conklin, um, of Conklin, of Osborne, what, what are we doing this week? Is there any kind of uh, insight into one that you may prefer just based on the matchup? Or is this another coin flip to uh, what Justin's doing right now? I think, right. If Adam, I think if Adam Thielen's not going to play, they, you might be able to play both these guys this yeah. week. Chicago's defense is not, you know, what it has been in the past. You saw Robert Smith or, or Middlebacker Smith get hurt this past week. They're, they have basically a non-existent pass rush. And you're pretty pleased with the Vikings last week where you saw both Osborne and – um, Conklin kind of have a floor and be utilized. So there's a chance that both those guys could eat again. Even with Dalvin Cook is you know going off the way he did, they both those receivers were still effective this past week. So why couldn't they do it against Chicago? So my only question with this game is: Is Dalvin Cook going to have another explosion game? And is it this time going to be the situation where? You know, are the Bears going to be able to climb back into this game? Because it's the Vikings who seem to give up every lead possible and make everybody, <laughs> everybody, including Big Ben in the fourth quarter, look amazing. Um, 
you know, so that's kind of the big question here because, you know, if that doesn't happen at the end of the game, does Osborne get his touchdown and does he save his day? Um, had a terrible game. Um, so, yeah, it's really going to be on how the game script goes. And we know that Cook's going to get involved in this game. And I suspect he's going to have another monster game. I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't. This Bears defense has been absolutely putrid against the run since, you know, Khalil Mack's been gone. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, it's the proverbial coin flip again for me. I I can't put faith into one or the other that they're going to have a monster game. It's really just whoever Kirk Cousins is clicking with in that one. And I think Chris is right. I think either one and both could have a good game because this – Game script wise, it should be, you know, something that the Vikings get out into a huge lead. Mm -hmm. And how they're going to get that lead through touchdowns to Jefferson, Cook, and then maybe one or two to, you know, Conklin and Osborne. So it's really just going to be about how the Bears can respond. Can Fields get a couple touchdowns to keep this game going? And if it keeps going, then there's more of an opportunity for Osborne and Conklin to get involved. If it kind of, you know, just goes, the Vikings way the entire time, I think it limits their chances. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the Vikings have just been kind of allowing that garbage time. So that does that, do you guys think that opens things up for the bears, uh, you know, on the back end with some of their receiving options or even fields? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see that passing game kind of on, you know, unravel. You were pleased with what you saw production-wise out of fields and for the Chicago passing game. You weren't necessarily confident where you got it from. A lot of people put Darnell Mooney in their lineups last week and were like, Who this, who's this Bird guy? Who's this Jerry and Grant guy? Why are these guys getting all these big plays? And our mm-hmm. receivers, the starting Chicago receivers, aren't really doing being involved. So it's going to be interesting. You also didn't see Dave Montgomery have a very big game this past week either. So it's can you feed multiple pass catchers? Cole Clement has been coming off. Jimmy Graham kind of comes in to steal that one touchdown opportunity each week. So I think right now, for me, I think you still play Darnell Mooney because he's clearly been the receiver one for the most part for this team most of the year. Um, you can still feel confident having as your receiver three in your lineup or a flex option. And I think that when it comes to fields, I think he's the biggest, most interesting one. I know for myself, I'm a Patrick Mahomes owner, and I'm considering could I actually play Justin Fields over Patrick Mahomes? Because, you know, as Justin pointed out, Playing against, you know, it made Ben look good in the fourth quarter. What could Justin Fields coming off a pretty good game versus Green Bay? What could he possibly do running around? But then you also remember it's Matt Nagy in Chicago, so then you kind of get just as nervous. So, yeah, I think this is a game that's kind of one of those games where it depends on how confident you feel in either team because for myself, I think I could be pulled either way where this game could be a high-scoring game and I could play all these guys or it could be an ugly 17 to 15, 14 game and I and I regret playing any of these guys. <laughs> One thing yeah. I have to say about Justin Fields, I like the confidence that he had last week in Green Bay. He was making plays with his feet, which is something that I'm like, keep going, keep going, man. You have this offense that really is not super functional. You have a couple weapons in there, and you need to start B. making. Jalen Hurts, B. Jalen Hurts, please. Yes, B. Exactly. Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, no, yeah, exactly. Go out there and use your feet, man. And, I mean, those two touchdowns kind of were, you know, you look at them and you're like, oh, yeah, you got it to the really fast guy and he, he scored, you know, both times. So, 
you know, you lucked out. But reality is, is this guy kind of needed to do this. And we knew that going in with fantasy. And now he's kind of maybe hitting his stride. And we got 74 yards on the ground, including that, that big uh, clutch run at the end. So, you know, yeah. who knows? But I think I would play him. I mean, I don't know if I'd play him over Mahomes. I don't think I have the the cojones for that, but I, I would definitely play him in some matchups for sure. Chris, I'm thinking the same damn thing as far as with, with that, that I feel it could be a, an option because, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, someone was forced to drop a Tua in that league, so we're, we're going all in for that. And then if I, with my low waiver priority, am not able to get that, then we reevaluate everything else. That's the, the first option. And Justin Fields is among that group B. <laughs> All right, guys. Yay, fantasy playoffs. The <laughs> Chicago primetime game. Yay. Woo! Yep. All right. Uh any anyone want to take a, a shot on uh an under the radar performer this, this upcoming week? I'm gonna give you an upside start to have in your lineup this week, and that's Devonta Smith. With Watkins being on the COVID list, some of the questions about going to the receiver, Jalen Hurts coming back this week. Don't be surprised if Bonta Smith really shows out this week for the Eagles, especially versus his Washington secondary. I think Devonta Smith's a guy that has a lot of upside to have in your lineup this week if you can you have him on your team. Uh, I'm going to go against uh, my 49ers and say Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, here's the thing. The secondary of the 49ers likes to either play man or cover three. And when they play man, they usually get – obviously embarrassed i mean look at the jamar chases you know he he absolutely went off on him so i think if Pitts uh lines up to the perimeter and the falcons take advantage of that matchup against either norman or whoever they have out there really at this point um i think that Pitts is in for a big day um i'm gonna go with under the you know, hope that Daniel Jones makes it back. Sterling Shepard would probably be a, a sneaky play. Um, a, a, you know, again, assuming that Daniel Jones makes it back in time. Um, you know, they have seemed to have a connection, especially for PPR, you know, where uh, Shepard will get peppered with volume in the slot. So I would not be shocked to see him have a big day uh, if Jones makes it back. I'll throw one more out of you for the under the radar. I'll be Gabriel Davis. You saw Emmanuel Sanders get hurt this past week in Buffalo. Uh, Davis ran 81% of the, the routes this past week. He looks like that clear at number two on the outside. You like his big playability. What you really like is that Josh Allen seems to look for him and um, Knox primarily in the red zone. So Davis is one of those guys who can get you the touchdowns and might have a big play for you as well. So he's one of those under-the-radar guys maybe you might think about in the lineup. Yes. All right. Cool. Um Justin, what's your kind of schedule for releasing stuff this week? Um, got my weekly start sits coming out. Um, I like to bring it down to the wire, especially now with all the COVID news and right. the injury stuff coming out. So that'll probably be out um, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Um, you can have your morning coffee with it, uh, and then you can uh, tell me what I did wrong at the end of it. <laughs> but, Love uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris, what do you got up? What do you what do you got going on this week? Yeah, MDs will be on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday once again. Uh Wednesday will be previewing the Thursday game and then the Saturday games. 
and then trying to get into the early some of the early Sunday games, the one o'clock games, and then Friday tune in for us and you'll be doing our DFS challenge. We will we moved off of uh, I'm sorry, not DFS challenge. We moved off uh, yeah, the DFS challenge, but we moved off DraftKings. We moved to a different forum, so it'll be a little bit different for everybody. But we're excited about kind of moving forward, and I hope you guys turn in you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Shoot, what well, my day was. <laughs> hey, um, awesome! Thank you guys so much for watching, listening. You are much appreciated. Peace. Freeze them down. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.